All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the Ben Fama Jr. Show. I am your host, Ben Fama Jr. Thank you for joining us live here on YouTube today. If you guys got any comments, any questions, make sure you leave them in the comments. Put a Q in front of it, not for QAnon, because I can't stand that bullshit, but Q if you got any questions and stuff. But today, I'm super excited for my next guest. Obviously, you guys, if you guys are like real fans of mine, you guys know I've, I've talked to my good friend here who is a prolific filmmaker. She's a prolific author. And even though we come from different sides, I call her my spiritual nemesis. I think we're really good friends. And <laughs> I love talking to her. It's always a great conversation. And if you haven't checked out our prior conversations, but today I'm bringing on author Betsy Chassie. She has got a brand new book called Killing Buddha. The truth shall set you free, but first it will make you miserable. And trust me, people, we are all fucking miserable today. So anyways, welcome to the show, Miss Betsy Chassie. How you doing today, Betsy? I'm good. I was grooving out to the music. I was on a whole experience, and I'm not miserable. Well, then, well, I'm, that's good because I mean, I'm I know a lot of us are, especially after the pandemic and everything. So maybe it, misery likes company. Yes, I don't know. It's it's been fucking rough. We're getting better, so I feel good. Right on. And there may be some technical issues, people. I don't know what's going on. I'm not really sure. Sometimes we uh, the thing is skipping out. I'm not really sure. So if it is, Maybe just deal with it. We're going to have a great conversation energy, anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's my energy. I'm so big. And I'm <laughs> vaccinated, so I might, might be getting a transmission from Bill. So that is what could be happening. Oh, the 5G is fucking with our shit now, isn't it? Yeah. The, the vaccination's fucking with be. our shit. Bill. So Bill might not want me to say anything. So, so. Um, let's talk about your, your book, Killing Buddha. I remember for a while back, I remember you had a trailer for this. And I remember, I think originally this was going to be a film. So first off, for the audience who may have not even like heard of Killing Buddha or whatever, tell me a little bit about it and then your backstory and how you got it to be a book. Okay. So the book is called Killing Buddha. It's based on a very famous Zen koan. Uh, if you meet the Buddha along the road, kill him or you'll follow him the rest of your life. That's the sort of, I don't have it in front of the paraphrased version of it. Um, and it's written by or spoken by the teaching was by a, a Chinese Buddhist named um, Linji, who is quite a rebel uh, and got in a lot of trouble. So I clearly can't relate with him at all. Um, and so that's what the book is about. It's about killing your Buddhas and a Buddha. Buddha can be anything like it's not like literally there's no you know it's about killing your beliefs about uh, you know yourself and and sacred cows I had another book called Tipping, so it's kind of yeah. a theme with mine um, um, but killing Buddha is really and if people don't know that I made a film called what the bleep do we know a very long time ago is still pretty popular and as that movie came out I like kind of shockingly you know was invited on to stay in the world to talk about how to be enlightened, which is really ironic because I'm the far that. <laughs> and and so it 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 was interesting because I I went through this thing, I am all that in a bag of chips and the rock star of enlightenment, here I come, and then my whole life fell apart. And then I was like, whoops, I made a whole movie about how you create your reality and I fucked up my reality. So oops. And I went started on this journey of like really getting clear for me about what it means to be spiritual and what it means to have a spiritual experience and a spirit and live a spiritual life. And that's kind of what that and, it, and we it, have a lot of fun though. It's, whole, it's, it's a narrative in a sense place. to where it's, it's, it's yeah. a narrative, but it's actually based partly on you in some ways. 
it as a fictional novel because I didn't want to get sued and piss people off. I mean, I like <laughs> pissing people off, but I didn't want to get sued. So it's a novel, but it's based loosely on my life. Mm-hmm. And it's what happens when the least spiritual on the planet gets hired to make a movie about spirituality. Wait, what did your wife just say? <laughs> she just gave her, did you just look at her? No, uh, no, she didn't say, uh, are you talking about in the comments? Is there something in the comments? I don't oh, know. No. It was oh, no, KT. I don't see it. was KT. She's saying hi. She's watching us. So, but anyway, say. Oh, hi, KT. <laughs> so, so you're, t- I mean, you're talking a little bit how it's about a little bit about, you know, your life. And obviously it's a little bit of a dramatization, but the one thing I'm interested in is you've been in this industry and business for a really long time. Even as a kid, you were a child actor you know, and then you, you, you know, you transformed into doing films. I know you did porno for a little bit and stuff and then got into spiritualism. I wasn't in porno, just to, just to be Well, clear. okay. Yeah. I let mean, me be clear. You were, you were, you were producing and <laughs> making stuff. Mind. Yeah. Right. I mean, and no, but I mean, you were, you were producing it. You were able to uh, make films. I mean, like I, I don't downplay that at all. I mean, it's like, you know, you're, you're producing your, you're, you're a woman in the industry. And I think that evolution from, you know, going from child acting to, you know, producing, directing, and even doing the stuff you're doing. Talk to me about that evolution, because in a way, sometimes I look at it, we can look at it like killing Buddha is a, um, uh, a spiritual thing, but even in just th- the growth of where you came from and to where you're at now, yeah. how does that relate to it? Well, part of the book is um, coming to terms with my own failure as a human. Um, so that, and yeah. that's, I've been doing for like 10 years, because, you know, it's interesting, I'm raising kids right now, and there's a lot of pressure to be something, to go to college, to be some big thing. And I didn't get to go to college and I failed at acting. And then um, I wanted to be a film producer and I did, I realized I was producing shitty movies and porn and left that. And then the bleep came along and it was huge. And I thought I was going to be really famous and successful. And then that fell apart. And so it was really about finding my own self again. And it's interesting because for a long time as a producer, before I made What the Bleep and how I got hired originally on The Bleep was I was a very technical producer. I was a line producer because I was never thought I was creative. I was funny and I never thought I was a writer. And I was always very good at, you know, I'm the queen of multitasking and I'm really good at organizing things. And, and I became a very successful line producer at the time when there were very few female line producers. A line producer, like the person that organizes all the crew and, 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 and technically a big, like a super high end project manager for lack of a better term. And, uh, it, it was, it, it was on the bleep when, you know, I got hired to make this other movie. It wasn't even called the bleep called sacred science. And it was a really bad script and it made absolutely no sense. But I was, it will always say like when, did you get on your spiritual journey? And, and I always know when I popped out of the vagina, but, but really that was like the step into it because I, 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 I was hired to make this movie and I didn't even know what's, you know, quantum physics or and that shit was, you know, yeah. like I was a producer and I got hired because they had the script and they needed someone to produce it. And, you know, I always ask these questions as a line producer and a producer, you touch all the money. Yeah. And I'm, I was, I've always been very careful with other people's money. I asked Will, who was financing it, you know, your expectations with this money that you're putting into this project. And he had all these big expectations. And I'm a really honest person. And I just said, well, no one's going to watch this movie. It's terrible. And he said, well, what would you do? 
<laughs> and all of a sudden, like for the first time in my life, somebody was like, what would you do to make it better? And, and then all of a sudden I was, somebody wanted to hear my ideas and, and I became a creative part. So not only was the bleep sort of, you know, a opportunity for me, but it was really my, wow, I really am creative. I'm a good writer. I really do understand this stuff. And, and so that took me all the way to when I got divorced, I still was writing. I just started writing because I needed to journal because I was going through a really rough time in my life. And I started journaling. And the funny thing is I was helping somebody else make a little mini docu-series and they wanted to publish an ebook. And it was like new because this is how old I am. Ebooks were new. <laughs> We'd never done one before. So friend, uh, a woman who was working with me said, well, we got to try to run something through process to see how it works. And so I said, here's like 20 of my essays that I wrote. Just pretend they're a book and it's a book and put it in there. Put it through and she called me up and she said, you should publish this. This is really good. I published my very first book. It was called Metanoia. And um, there I am. Now I'm a writer and I love it. I love, I like. it took me to like my 40s to find my like favorite thing to do. Did Did that evolution come from your... Like, did you think it was a more of a natural evolution to move into writing, or was it more of like this business is getting fucking stupid, and I just don't like uh, the reason why I'm asking this, even as a filmmaker myself. You know, I've never had a a big blockbuster hit or anything, and you know, most most filmmakers are always trying to achieve that kind of illusion of some status that they think is going to bring whatever the fuck it is. Do you what do you think changed when that happened for you? When all of a sudden it was like this is how I perceived it to be. And then when that moment happened, did it change your perception anything? And did that influence you to decide how you actually look at this business and how it influenced you to becoming a writer? No, because I've never had any elusive, hmm. you know, I was basically raised in the entertainment business and I've yeah. known all about it from the time I was eight and nine years old. And, you know, working in the point, you know, people always, like oh, you worked in porn and I loved it like, you know quite frankly for the most part most of the places and the women and the men I worked with in that industry were probably more than most of, like they're probably more ethical than most of the spiritual people I've ever met in my life yeah. you know yeah. I mean but but with that being said I actually quit making movies before I made the bleep I got super disillusioned um, I was working as senior VP of production. I was managing $30 million. I got headhunted for a major studio to be a director of production, which is three steps away from my dream, which was to be, you know, an executive at a studio. Mm -hmm. And realized that, you know, I'm so grateful, Ben, that I've had the lad and that I got to experience this industry as fucked up as it is, because I've been in a lot of other industries and I'm, you know, 51 and every, it's all fucked up. Yeah. Like the whole world is fucked up. <laughs> it fucking is. So it's, it's not people just, just admit the that, business. But yeah, it is. You know, it's, it, and what, I'll tell you what I'm grateful that I learned after, while making the bleep. And I'm grateful that for some reason that I, I, I think I told the story in Killing Boot. I told it before where I was riding up in the elevator to get this, this, like my big studio moment, like, Headhunted, and it was for me because I didn't go to college. And normally, to get those jobs, you had to 
bachelor's in film. And I didn't, but I had enough experience. And I rode up the elevator, and I'm afraid of heights, right? And so I go in the elevator, I get out, I'm on the 27th floor, and um, they show me this place where my office is going to be, and the um, office is floor-to-ceiling windows. I'm about to have a panic attack, because I'm like literally like, oh my God, I'm in California, the whole thing's going to fall to the ground, and I'm going to die in this building. And like, as I was riding down the elevator, what I realized was, wait a minute, I'm 27 floors up and I'm an executive or I'm a junior executive at a studio, but I'm like miles away from filmmaking yeah, now. Yeah. I'm away from the what I love, love, which is the down and dirty and the getting flying on the planes. And, you know, I had such a great adventurous 20s and 30s, you know, 20s where I was just flying all over the world and being paid to go to Jamaica and France. And, and it, that was the moment when I said, to myself, if I take that job, I'm never in filmmaking. I'm in the business of film. Yeah. And those are two different things. I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that you know, everything is a business at the end of the exactly. day. And because everything is because of capitalism, and I'm not against capitalism, but you know, everything is about the dollar. Mm-hmm. And so I quit making movies. I actually turned that job down. My every all of my friends lost my mind and gone nuts. Because, you know, it was like, how could you turn down a $200,000 a year? Like, it was crazy. But, but I realized that wasn't what I loved. Then I took a few years off and made gourmet dog treats in my kitchen. So if you read the book, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, the pet food industry is just as fucked up as the movie business, you know? <laughs> so I don't look at it that way. Like, I look at, like, right was just the piece of me that I found later in life, but I do believe it was always in me. Yeah. And yes, writing, writing books and writing blogs are, is easier than making, you know, that you need hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I can write by myself, but I still, I don't get anything that I do as some sort of like, oh, that and that's filmmaking. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're storytellers. Yeah, that's what we do. Exactly. What medium we do it in is, is you know. And and Killing Buddha originally was a movie that I had set up. And then the main actress ended up needing to go to... And the whole thing fell apart. And I just went, well, okay. I'm waiting on this. And then the novel... Because I put it away for 10 years almost. And um, I was having a... like a moment in my life a couple of years ago where I'm questioning what am I doing here? Why am I here? Do I, what am I supposed to be doing? And I took my kids out of school. We went to South America for, for a few months. And my friend, as I was leaving said, you ought to write Killing Buddha as a novel because that's your story and it needs to be written. Right. And I just went and while I was in South America, I just wrote it. It just came blowing out of me. And I tell every, I don't care if you're ever going to plan to publish it, but the most cathartic, deeply spiritual work you could do is write your memoir. That mark. And it certainly blew mine. Well, then what, so what did you learn from that experience in writing it that maybe you had insight then even before taking your trip? And the reason why I'm asking this is because, like, we're literally living in times where expectations of reality are being completely just bullshitted into non-existence. And what I mean by that is, like I've I've started rethinking almost everything 
that I think about some things. Again, going back to even just the Hollywood industry, you know, some, you know, obviously I've friends that are filmmakers that went to Hollywood and Austin and stuff, and that's great. Maybe that's their life path. But to me, I just don't feel like I fit into a system like that. And I wonder when it comes to you, like, is the evolution from when you made What the Bleep to where you are now with Killing Buddha, like, what was that kind of separation and reflection looking back writing the book, and what did you learn from that, from that disconnect and being like, you know, well, where am I at? Who the fuck am I now? You know what I mean? Right. So... When the bleep came out, I'll tell you, you know, when when we finished the bleep, we took it around to all the studios. And everybody said, this is an amazing movie. You're going to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to exist in gratitude and be happy in this sort of space of creative, of a creator or a creative or a storyteller, you have to have a certain, first of all, you have to have, I, I hate to say really big balls because balls are weak, but you have one thing. And you have to have a willingness that you're never going to fit in. And so when the studios, part of my job, besides helping write, direct, because I took on the idea of like, I'm going to get this into the theaters. When they all t- told me Paramount and Sony and everybody said, no, we're not just shooting this movie. I just said, fuck you. I'm going to do it myself. And I, I, that's the kind of person I'm. And I think that really in order to succeed in some of these businesses, that mm-hmm. you kind of have to be able to say, fuck you, I'm going to do it myself. Exactly. And, and that's, and that's kind of what I've always done. And, that, you know, and does that mean I always win and get it right and, you know, live in a fancy house and a successful, rich and all that? No, it, but it does that. I can look back at my life, even as I sit here today and say, you know what, for the most part, I did this my way and I'm happy with it. And that's, so to me, you're looking for for an answer on what was the evolution. My whole life journey, the constant evolution of learning more about who I am and then taking that wisdom and applying it in my life, learning more about, but the core sense of who I am, my mouthy, ballsy, not take no for an answer, aggressive I don't think that's a bad word um, get things done make things happen I think it's been a part of my core who I am since I was born right it's funny because you, you know? always say that you know you're the least spiritual person before you made the film and it's funny when I hear it because I feel like we're almost we were almost opposites at that time where I was an extremely mm-hmm. spiritual person and like you know I was a huge fan of your film I mean I still am a huge fan of your film you know I disagree with a lot of it but it's still a sentimental part of my life and probably always will be because how much I love that film and how much I used to tell people about it and stuff like I mean it's even funny I'm even talking to you like it's like damn dog like this the, the film this film I fucking totally lo- like you know I, I wanted to get into filmmaking because of like Michael Moore and politics whatever but it was really like films like what the bleep that it was like when I was a very spiritual person I was like I want to do this I want to like ask these questions and, and 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 think about the bigger philosophies in life so I can never discount it even though I'm on a different side so I guess in a weird way my killing Buddha so, is walking away from that myself you know what I mean it's kind of like the evolution yeah, yeah, from you gotta do you. where I was to where I am now and it, it's kind of funny because not a lot of people knew me from back then you know what I mean? But if they did, and the ones that did, mm-hmm. they know like how super spiritual I was and how, how much I really, like even going to Sedona, you know, obviously I don't live in Sedona now, but I wanted to be like that 
like you were in, as a filmmaker. I was like, I'm gonna make the next secret. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the next like I was gonna be the next big okay, wait, spiritual. First of all, I'm guru. gonna interrupt you for a second. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Your mind. I'm not anybody else's, but I'm definitely blowing yours. If you go back and you look at what the bleep today, what the bleep do we know holds true to most of what it said more than the secret. So you don't get to use the secret in any interview because in my mind, the secret is the beginning of the downfall of the Western spiritual movement. Um, I'm going to smoke. Yeah. If you really go back and watch what the bleep do we know, here's what the movie said. Your thoughts, Thoughts affect your reality. Your thoughts affect your reality. That no, nobody can argue with. Right. Because it's interesting because your perspective paints your experience. You think about how something is, paints your experience. I don't care whatever. You want to pull up this little moment or that little moment. You can blow all that shit up. At the end of the day, and this is what, this is funny because this is what I say to all these QAnon people and people freaking out about like, all the conspiracy stuff. Those people are not spiritual because they want to have it all the way. They want to have it all the way. They want to say, I create my reality and my thoughts and I'm a master and I'm a star seed, but I can only eat vegan on Tuesdays with this kind of like, and it has to be served to me in a bamboo container. Like if they really created their reality, then none of that, right? So it's interesting to me because if you think about what people want to call spiritual, what is spiritual? Mm-hmm. Even the bleep isn't that spiritual because most of what we're talk we talked about in the bleep has now been proven as behavioral science and neuroscience. Like most of what was in the bleep is now people are like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there Disney stole. Remember our little cells in the bleep? The little characters? Yeah. Disney stole that whole character and made a cartoon about it, how your brain worked, basically using everything that was in the bleep. So, you know, if you want to talk about the secret and that stuff, that's different. What things, and, and, and again, I know we've had this conversation many times, so it's not like, you know, I mean, people can watch a lot of the debates we've had about whether or not these are true or not or whatever. So I think that's kind of why I, it's not like I'm more fascinated in the conversation of what have where like where are we at now and even in that, because I guess for me. So from my perspective, this is how I look at it um, from my evolution, from understanding from where I was as a spiritual person to where I am now is, is that I feel like that life is very complicating and it has a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainties. And I find that. Often, yeah. like most people, I'm searching for answers to help resolve a lot of those anxieties, those fears, those detrimental, deeper right. meanings. And I think we, I think we were, lo- I think we were, we're all looking for this way of trying to deal with these fucking demons and this, and this, this, this anxiety that just rips us apart. You yeah. know, I mean, I, we don't, I know we don't all talk yeah. about this shit, but you know, so when, so I, I, th- I know that spiritualism or religion a lot of this is is that for people. And sometimes I, I, I know this is going to sound weird even though I know I fucking criticize and fucking shit on all these belief systems now, it's probably just because I feel like I've been lied to. But the reality is, is I almost feel bad that I do it sometimes because I'm like, I feel like what if this is the only thing that people think that they have in life for them to understand these anxieties? And I want to just show people that 
questioning the truth is which I, which I believe most spirituality and religions were trying to get to is the core tenets of like who we are, why are we here, what, are the, what is this universe and what we're doing. I think people are so afraid that the answer may not actually be that, that they're afraid that, that somehow on the opposite side of that, that there's this empty pit of nothingness. And what's weird to me is that I feel, I know this is gonna sound weird, I feel far more enlightened than I ever have my entire life now than I ever did being religious or spiritual. And it's so weird because it's almost like, it's almost like the universe makes far more sense when I stopped, when I, when I questioned it beyond what I thought I believed about it. And the chaos and the madness and the, everything makes sense when I realize it's not a system meant for me or for anyone else. And that's the beauty. And it's almost like, it's almost like that's what Buddhism is saying in itself, like that suffering and this acknowledging the world as it is and it's not trying to control what it is and saying, I, I accept right. it as it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever the fuck, the dumbness. I mean, look, there's a lot of dumb shit out there and I fucking hate a lot of it. But I think people mistaken that from the value that I have towards knowledge and life and what I admire and what I love, like, you know, my wife and, and people I care about. And I feel, I know it sounds weird, but I feel so far more enlightened and I just want people to at least see it for maybe a moment? Because I understand everyone else's point of view. When it well, let me, let me say this. I felt a lot better in life when I, I stopped worrying about what was going to happen when I died. I feel a lot. I live very, because you know what? Shit is hard. You know, a yeah. big myth that is perpetuated in the spiritual movement is that if, if you're doing it right, it's easy. If you're doing, you know, something must be wrong with you or you did this bad reality or you ate meat or whatever, whatever you did to like, cause it's all supposed to be in flow and magic is supposed to flow to me all of the time. The way I look at this is that this is the plane of experience. You know, there, I read something today on my friend, um, my friend's page talking about specifically about reincarnation. And it was very interesting because people talk about reincarnation. They always talk about a past life. Yeah. And it's funny because in science, the only there's no past, there's no future, and there's no present. It, that, that The only reason we talk that way is because in this body, in this frequency, in this plane of experience, our brains need time in order to ground and move. But time doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. So there is no past life and there is no future life. There is now. So I just try to be really present in the now. Does that mean I don't go and have a panic attack because I got a bunch of bills I have to pay and go, shit, how am I going to pay those fucking bills? Mm -hmm. Do that. But I also know that me sitting around having a panic attack about that isn't going to solve it. I also have gotten into a place in this like with age and time is that I know that everything is going to be okay. It will work itself out. Will it be hard? Will it be messy? Will it be the world that be struggle? Yes, because that's what we're here to experience. On the, this is this is what we're here to do. You know, no, I have never met one person who doesn't have a trauma or a story or some horrible thing that happened to them or something. I've never met one person because it doesn't. It's not a reality that exists. So right. when you get for me, when I just got really grounded in, like, oh. Sometimes life is going to, and sometimes it's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be in between. I just got to ride it and be present into it. I, it like All of that, that stress really went away. Uh, there's a great quote by one of my favorite writers. His name is Jack Kerouac. And he says, 
be in love with your life, every detail of it. And that is such an amazing practice. If you can really think about that, be in love with your life, every detail of it. That means you got to love it when it sucks. You got to love it when it's boring, when it's adventurous and everything in between. That's what brings me peace. Let me tell at let this me, point. And let, that's that's what I found when I found that's what I that is what I found when I wrote Killing. Let me, let me challenge you on that too, because I think that's an interesting quote that um, Jack Kerouac even said. And I thought about it because I I heard you talk about it in interviews, and I thought for a moment, you know, it's also okay to not have <coughs> to love every detail of your life too. And let and, and let me explain why. Because sometimes things sure. are bad and we're afraid to like no obviously none of us want to feel like shit. I mean, but but the reality is sometimes it does and it's okay that it does. And I don't I, I mean this is okay. just my personal so what I mean by that, no, what I mean by that is yes, be okay with it being bad. Yeah. And be and let it be bad. Sometimes you can't do let anything it about stop. it anyways. And it's just it's you're it's not always the fault of the perspective, and I think that's a lot of things I have a problems with, like a lot of people, especially in the guru community. A lot of times they, oh yeah, there's a lot of blame and shame in that. And it, it, it's always your it's fault. Yeah, it's always like, oh, you you're not thinking it. positive enough. You're not doing this. I'm like, look, fucking. Sometimes yeah. shit happens to people, man. Sometimes it's out of a lot of our lives are not in our control. Like it, it's just, it's just no. that's the reality as humans we faced on this planet for for a long time, and it and it can seem. Scary. And sometimes it actually is. There's, I don't think there's any answer out there that's going to get people to wake up one day and be like, our fears will no longer be there or our fears will be um, controlled. And I think wise people long before us and humans have had these conversations and th they've asked those really deep questions about fear, anxiety, you know, fear of death, fear of the unknown. And, and we still are asking that. I don't, I don't think I mean, it's just my perspective, because like I said, I'm only one human being, but I haven't in all these years studying all these religions, all these philosophies, have found anyone that came to the answer that could truly relieve us in a, in a, in a realistic way. And yet I do see philosophies like Buddhism. You know, I'm not a Buddhist, but I would consider myself probably closer to Buddhism than anything else, that it is what it is. And the ability to still find that meaning in that little tiny things in your life that are important. I, I heard you talk about this on another show too, where something as simple as like, you know, a glass of lemonade or having a conversation, like knowing that the world, yes, has genocide. It has anxiety, has murder, has horrible fucking people. It always has, it always has. And what, what's great about Buddhism is that it's always recognized the suffering, but it's not that people have to be okay with it and be like, I accept it, but it's almost as if it's like, okay, I understand this is part of the process, but it shouldn't deflect from the small, tiny things of yourself right. and your mind and the little tiny, and that for me is what keeps me going knowing, and at least in my perspective, that I don't believe in a God. I don't believe there's any other system out there. And people are like, well, that's a scary life. I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being- But that's because you get to be okay with yourself. We have to get to this notion where, you know, it, like it's interesting because everyone wants to talk about freedom <laughs> and everyone's are being taken away. And, and, that, and my freedom is being taken away and my freedom has never been taken away. I don't care if I get blocked on Facebook. Facebook is a privately owned entity that, that uses, that's, I'm part of their profit exactly. margin. So if they want to block me, whatever, I don't care. I, I don't, it, they'll never take away my voice. And it's interesting because a lot of us are very concerned about what other people think and what other people are doing and how, you know, and 95% of the time, it doesn't matter. Like the only time it matters what other people are doing is when I'm driving in a car and we're trying to all drive in the cars. Like we all should care about what other people are yeah, doing, right? Yeah. Um, that's it. 
you know, we should probably care. Like my neighbor is not going to like set my house on fire. You know what I mean? I would prefer that. My, I would like it that my neighbor is not slaughtering children. But like this, the, like life is super simple if we get out of each other's shit and just keep it basic with like, hey, let's not be dicks to each other. Let's not kill each other. It's funny. One of the things we did talk about in the bleep is the Ten Commandments. Believe it or not, are pretty rational. They're like they're pretty they're pretty straightforward, easy rules for existing coexisting, mm-hmm. right? But the reason trauma and stress in the world is because everybody's very busy trying to tell somebody else that they should live their way. As soon as we let go of that, and as soon as we go back to compassionate existence where we go, oh, we we can all actually have, we all have enough money, we all have enough food, we all have enough shelter, that once we get to those two places, we'll be fine. There'll be less murders. There will be less suffering. Because suffering on the level that we have it is is caused by fear of of not having enough and the fear that people are not going to do it my way yeah i i agree with you uh for the most part on that because you know the the way i look at it is i don't think you'll ever get rid of all suffering i mean an asteroid could come here and kill us no 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 no. but i agree with you on the premise of like uh, like looking at it like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like w- yeah. when we're, I, I look at it as as we are creatures, we are animals. But people looked at it as that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it as a bad thing. I'm saying look, we have needs and wants, and survivalism is is an important thing for us. And I think that we act the most vicious and the most angry and the most whatever when we're stuck in a competitive survival mode. Now, that may have worked for millions of years when we were, had limited resources and whatever, but motherfuckers, we're building entire fucking goddamn cities and we got billionaires who don't need half of this fucking, like the fucking shit we make up for survivalism. And then the rest of us go to bed at night wondering how the well, fuck am I going to keep up with this fucking world? How the fuck? And well, that's because, we can't even talk about it. That's because we We've, de- exactly. we've been conditioned to believe that my neighbor is my, the billionaire who's starving me and my neighbor is my savior. Yeah. That's I mean, if we, you saw monkeys you know, doing that taught, shit in the jungle, if you saw a monkey b- taking all the fucking wood and all the goddamn resources and building these large ass fucking, you know, tree fucking houses, whatever, and you see all these other starving monkeys, you bet there's something wrong with that fucking monkey. Here we are in 2021 right. with the ability to even have this communication to talk and do this, and we're still acting like primitive fucking animals, even though I get it, we have a reptilian brain, but the, the advantage we had as human beings was we were able to think beyond our environments, think beyond our primitive minds. And we have the technology and the ability to create societies that don't cause people to act ape shit unnecessarily. And- But we have, we have greed and exactly. greed comes from fear. Exactly. And now, and if you like, look at like the art of war, the whole idea is, divide and conquer create enough that's why like christians want to be pro-choice because they think if they're not pro-choice then we're gonna they're gonna lose their religion so they force this notion mothers should just women and should just all be mothers and make babies and if they don't they're evil and they should go to jail but then they don't deal with the babies once they're born because it's really not about the abortion it's really about their fear that if they agree to like let other women have their own choice they won't be able to have theirs because they've been told if we let women control their own bodies they're going to attack christianity right so it's just this all fear of survival it's all fear of don't let anybody be too different than you because you can't live together you can't exist look what's happening in israel and palestine right now i mean 
probably not going to make very many friends, but I, I think they're both, I think it's ridiculous on both yeah. sides. At some point, as humans, we have to sit back and go, wait a minute, we're just slaughtering each other for no reason. And the and we're being conditioned to slaughter each other by bigger, because the Palestinian is, is a billion dollar industry, yeah. right? It's follow the money there. It's a billion dollar industry. We're funding Hamas, we're funding, and then we're, we're getting stuff from both sides. It's a business. And until we as a society start to say, money needs to come out of politics, money needs to come out of medicine, money needs to come out of education, then it's not going to change, which is part of why I don't get so upset about it anymore, because it's like, well, what can I do? You know, I can speak up and say that as much as possible, but mostly I'll just, just live my little small existence. As you can see in my back, I have a patio, but I grow my own little vegetables back here. Yeah. And, you know, I try my very best. I draw, you know, I, I do everything that I can do on the micro level to have a better impact. Um, and I'm con- conscious about where I spend my money. I'm conscious about what I buy right. because I think the more people just start doing that. And I think we're seeing people starting to go, you know, I saw this woman on Facebook the other day. She's a big Kiwi girl. And she said she was ranting. She actually copied this from another person because it was completely ridiculous. She said, if I go to a restaurant and someone asks me for my, if I've been vaccinated, I'm going to sue them. I'm going to crush them. I'm going to burn them to hell. And I was like, wow, that's, that's not very loving. She's, and they can't, I'm going to sue them because they're breaking HIPAA laws. And it's kind of like, well, not, not. And then she was like, well, I copied this from somebody else. I said, well, didn't you read it to make sure it was like factually correct? I said, but beyond that, think about this. You're not, not going to sue Walmart. Like Walmart doesn't give a shit if you sue them because they're a gazillion dollar company. Yeah. So the thing is, if you try to go to some mom and pop restaurant and they ask you to be vaccinated before you come into there, you're going to shut them. You're going to do everything in your power to shut them down. That's exactly what they want you to be doing. So like you're crushing some small business because if you're d- thinking that you're special, that's that's what they've turned us into. And you've been light on your page for years and years and years. That's not love and light. Yeah. That's just falling prey into until so until so all these spiritual QEs and all these I'm an enlightened master and I don't need to be master. I, I'm not with my freedom. You just fell prey. For as much as you guys want to say all of the one people that did wear masks, we were the ones that were the sheeples. They're just the other the game. So the yeah, are you kidding? Applebee's wants you to crush that small independently owned restaurant. You know, yeah. so instead go wait. You know, I'm not in alignment with their values. I won't shop there. I won't eat there. If that's really a, but but crush some small business, it just you know that's because people need to feel it. They need to feel right. They need to feel like they're the ones that know everything because a big part of survival is knowing the answers if you just let go of that and just go wow i don't like that like you know i do know everything that's what everybody says i ben you know everything you seem to know everything i I don't don't know know shit i don't know everything and that's the funny part is when i hate it when people say that the reason why is because i genuinely don't i'm always asking fucking questions i do have an assertion to what i believe and i will fight for it but jesus christ People act like I don't have conversations with people like you and other people on opposite side. Like, it's it's mind-boggling to 
how much assumptions people make and their ability to want to actually uh, value actually trying to actually learn something. I'm talking about really trying to because I spend a lot of my time when I have free time, not only like learning my point of view, but learning someone else's. Like I, I mean, ask Mesa. I fucking I watch fucking documentaries about conspiracy theories and New World Order and big like I watch and I'm like. Jesus Christ, like it almost makes me mad when people assume that I won't listen to, it's just like, but I've heard so many arguments for so long. I'm like, I don't know how else to have a conversation with somebody without people freaking out on me and being pissed. Now, I know I'm a very prov provocative person. I am, I fucking get angry at shit because I just, that's just who the fuck I am. I, I mean, I get annoyed when people cut me off. I just yelled at somebody the other day for parking in my parking spot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, I'm fucking, I got a short fucking, I'm an Italian, I live I'm from fucking Vegas. Like, I was that way before I got into this shit, motherfucker. So, you know, but at the end of the motherfucking day, just like we are having a conversation right now, I've, I've spoken to so many people who think different than me. And I've also been on the opposite side. I've been, I've been where people have believed. I trust me, I've believed so many things in my own life. And people are like, well, what, did you get hurt? Did you, I'm like, I mean, it's a complicated story and, I, and I'm not gonna get into all of it, but a lot of it was just asking questions and just being curious. Like some of it was like, well, what is this? How do I understand it? And I'm just obsessive about asking those questions. And I don't know what scares people from from being that way, what 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 are people afraid of? Like, what are they afraid of? That they're wrong? Because I've been wrong. I'm not afraid be, of being yeah, wrong. Yeah, people are afraid of being wrong, and they're pay, afraid of their world being blown up. And then what do they do? Then they know nothing, and then everything. You know, the big existential cri existential crisis. If everything that you thought you knew became our brains, the way that we humans work, build a reality. And then right. we go, okay, I'm safe in this reality because I built this reality. That's just how your brain works. That's not spirituality or woo yeah. shit. That's just literally how your brain works. I think a lot of people confuse even a lot of the belief with spirituality when it's just neuroscience. This is how your brain works. And it's legit how your brain works. And when you go through enough of those, for me, I've had that happen. I seem to have that happen every 10 years. I'd like to keep not blowing up every decade, but whatever. <laughs> So I have that happen every year, 10 years, and I were, it's almost funny to me. I'm almost like, oh, that was an interesting incarnation. What's coming next? Right. You know, it, 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 first, it, I'm pretty chill about it. People get like uppity with me and they want to be right. And I just kind of go, cool. Okay. Because see, here's the, you and I, this is where you and I differ. Mm -hmm. You think there's truth. So I differentiate between truth and facts, current facts. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing, I've interviewed some of the greatest scientists in the world, and they will see you. We can say what we know now, but any good scientist knows that that might change. We mm -hmm. operate on what we know now. You know, like these a bunch of fucking boneheads, right? They're just, you know, they're and mostly the reason the CDC and all those people are so fucked up is because they're all freaked out about how to handle the humanity. Right. And they, it's all this mixed messaging because the truth is no longer like, like just saying what is, is no longer, it, there's always going to be spin. There's always got to be the right perspective on it. There's, it. It's all messed up. Right. So there's just no like, okay, people, here's the fucking deal. Some random little fucking virus got leaked out of a goddamn lab in China. It's going to cause some serious shit. Everyone just chill out so we can figure it out. If they just said that, like, 
go home. We, this is bad. Fuck. Somebody fucked up. There's a, you know, it would have been fine, but they couldn't, nobody could just, I don't, I'm less concerned with truth because truth is, is subjective and the truth is my truth is different than your truth. Mm -hmm. Now, is it a fact that my car needs gasoline currently? Yes. So I better operate on that fact. Is it a fact that, uh, you know, my sink, when I turn it on, the water will come out? That is a fact. But now it might also be a fact that if I wave the on or my car can. So you, I, I am less concerned about it. It doesn't I like information. And I like to be able to know hmm, what's going on. What do we know? So I tend to say, well, what does science know now? Okay, that's what they know now. And it sounds reasonable. And then I look at statistics and facts. Like people are so freaked out about vaccines. Billions, millions and millions of people get vaccinated all the time. We don't have any problems. Quite frankly, I'm of the mind that if Bill Gates and 5G is going to take over, at this point, I'm like, fuck it. That ought to be interesting. Let's see what happens. You know, like I don't even care anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I live my little existence, hang out with my kids, drink some wine, smoke some cigarette, have a good time. Like, because it gets to the point where it makes, that's what makes you so upset. I have so many friends who are vegan, gluten-free. I keep them all out half the time. And I'm just sitting here drinking wine, eating my meat, smoking a cigarette. Because, you know, I'm just like, you know, those people get sick more than I do. Now, does this mean I might die of lung cancer? <sighs> Maybe. I'm going to die. I don't even know what the fire, but I'm not even going to worry about it. But I'm not going to sit here every time I'm going to go eat a meal and have a goddamn panic attack about what I'm eating. Because that's going to make me sicker because science will tell you stress and anxiety is the biggest cause of health problems than any of it. Mm -hmm. But so we, we live in this world where people just want to be right and they want to know what they know and they, they have the truth. And I'm just kind of like, cool, whatever. Enjoy. I, th I think the reason, you know, that's why, just how I roll. For, for me, the the reason why truth is so important is not because it, it's even the truth. Because sometimes I don't even like the fucking truth. Like I find the answer, and I'm like, well, I fucking hate this answer. But I think for me, oftentimes it, it's also a part about problem solving to where. You know, sometimes I need, like, for example, bringing the car analogy, like if my car is breaking down, I need to know what I need to do to actually solve the problem. Now, there may be different ways of solving that sure. problem, which is fine. But for me, it's, 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 it's always been about problem solving in any aspect. And a lot of it was forced to where I had to force myself to do problem solving. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I've got a very serious. Hang on a second. Like. That's again, people like your car that you have right now is built a certain way. Yeah, it's gonna, it, it's got things. The things do the things. They do the same thing every time. You start the engine. I don't know. I, I shit about cars, by the way. But you start the engine. The the belts turn. The gas sucks in. Whatever it does, right? right. That's the system that was built. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna like suddenly evolve into a new system tomorrow when you wake up in the morning. It's gonna stay that. So that's more the facts of how my car runs. I, I can't, I'm not, it's not changing unless I buy a new right, car because nothing new in it. But the but inability that's different for... than truth, which is that, is it true that there's, for lack of, I hate to say it this way because again, I'm not a big fan of how we 
put it as that there's a God. I don't know. Nobody's proven that there is, and nobody's proven that there isn't, and I don't give a shit. Does that not mean that for me personally, I wake up every morning and I do my ritual and I, I call God, universe, or Bob, that I don't just say, hey, Bob, how's it going, dude? I want to have a, like a great day today. I feel, I want, and I, that's because you know why? Because it makes me feel good. I'm not trying to start a religion where everybody says they have to follow Bob. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we have to get to. Like, I don't know what's, if it's true that there's life after death, or I don't know if it's true. Do I know that I can have lucid dreams and do things? Yes. Do I need to prove it to the rest of the fucking world? No, I don't give a shit. You know, I wish I was drinking iced tea, but the problem, the the problem that lies for me is, is that say, for example, we go back to the car analogy and this will even relate to even God and the afterlife stuff. If there's a problem with my car and I need to have it fixed. Okay. And I go to an auto mechanic who takes advantage of my knowledge of, or my lack of knowledge that does affect me and my life. And, and, and especially if the car doesn't get fixed and I feel like we as humans have been deceiving people for a very, very long time. And there's a lot of people out, not just like, for me, it's not just spiritualism or religion. I mean, we see con artists in business. We had a fucking president who was a con artist. And I think that's, I think that's why it's bothering me is it's no longer just about, well, is it true? I mean, like, for example, think about recently with this stupid fucking, these idiots who stormed the Capitol. They literally believed something that they were willing to steal our fucking democracy over. That's, that's right. That's because we don't have discernment anymore. We don't have discernment. We have a bunch of, we raised an, enti- we are an entitled fucking country. Yeah, we we have been told that we, we are special and that we are the great American experiment and the democracy and freest country we are special 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 and then we started raising special kids and everybody gets a participation trophy mm-hmm. and everybody gets you know everyone's special and you're an indigo chite worker or a star seed or you're special you're special you're special so we're all goddamn special because we're special because we know then this comes along and then if you watch a lot of what happened with the Q and in the spiritual community Spiritual community, you know, there's so many people running around calling themselves a healer that shouldn't be touching anyone. Mm. You shouldn't let those people fucking near you. They are fucking individuals, right? But someone who probably sold them a course told them, wow, you you have a gift. Yeah. So now everybody's got a fucking gift and they're all healers. So then the whole anti-vax and the QAnon thing came in and guess what? And then it was, this is, so it has to be true. You don't know. It's like a funny thing about pandemic. Pandemic keeps saying it was the most censored thing ever, but it had more views than like uh, Taylor Swift videos. It's like, well, how can it be the most censored and get the most views? That was a marketing ploy. If you read, there's an LA Times article with me. He literally says that they intentionally put, they marketed it that way. They did it to the people on purpose. It's right there in black and white. Mm-hmm. He fucking admits exactly what he did. And it's like, of course, they knock him for that. Of course, that filmmakers got to market their shit. He knew but what he was doing. That, what you I know? hate about but, it but is. But hang on, hang on. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say at some point, we have to grow up, mature up, and start acting like rational humans, like rational people, and use discernment. And people don't want to do that, it goes up against their I'm special 
special. I know everything. And it's better for me to be in the know and know everything and be a special and, <clears throat> and be a Reiki master in a weekend, sit down and go, wait a second, actual healing to be a true healer probably t- takes 30 to 40 years of learning. And I'm not, so I better not call myself a healer. No, I just took the weekend course. I'm a healer. Do you think that that's better because we're all arrogant and we're all entitled and we all think we should have. Do you think people that do that, though, like especially this annoys with the fucking filmmakers when they do that, they try to make it like they've been banned or what people don't want you to see. It's like, well, no, maybe you're fucking just wrong. Like that's like I can't imagine me making a fucking film and being like, this is the film. Nobody wants you to fucking see whatever. I'm like, trust me, I make films people like are really uncomfortable with. I could even say that I've had people attack me so much. Like, you should see my emails. People are just like, oh, you're just the propaganda for the government. You're de-. I'm like, really? Where's my money then, bitches? Like, what the fuck? Right? Like, nobody hey, funds me. I'm independent, motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Not again, you know what, Ben? The thing is that... Like, just be real. People if you have just a point of view, know. If you have a point of view, just... People just want to be right. Th- that's what it is. And it's all this marketing right. and all this stuff. And, and maybe that's another thing I want to talk to you about, about what you think even with Hollywood. Like, I feel like... I have such a, I've never really like worked, worked in Hollywood. You have way more experience than this, but this delusion, man, maybe this even kind of ties back into your book is like, how do we let go of this delusion that Hollywood and this, this, this illusion they want to create about this fantasy of fame and fortune and what they think is what's best for everybody. Like everyone gets older, like I want to make this big Hollywood blockbuster. And yet there's so many great films. Because they want to be rich but, and they want to be famous because when you're rich and famous, life is better because that's what you sickness. see in People Magazine and that's what you see exactly. even sold. That's but what you and told. I are people that like can value. Like, because we've never been rich and famous. Exactly. So we just but figure it out but I guarantee we we're probably even, even in our own fucking misery, Betsy, I guarantee we're happier than a lot of those motherfuckers because, you know, like you said, you got a garden that's behind you. You, you enjoy having a cigarette. You enjoy talking to your kid. Like same here. I know people are like, Ben, you're always angry. I'm like, no. I was I was doing some planting. I mean, I fucking sucked at it, so I stopped it. But I find little things <laughs> that are important. I don't need a lot in fucking life, motherfuckers. I don't. I got a great fucking wife. Okay, I've got problems like anybody. Trust me, I stay up worrying about how the fuck I'm going to survive as a fucking broke-ass fucking filmmaker working my ass off trying to run a business like anyone else. But at the end of the day, I do find the small shit. But you know what? I'm, I was led, like most people, and you would know probably even more than me, of this Hollywood dream that somehow there's this this, I'm going to be important. Everyone's going to love me. And it's going to fucking, it's going to, you, you spend all your life chasing after this thing. And then when you get there, well, it started, you know, it's the, his, I mean, we didn't have royalty in this country, yeah. right? We had movie stars. And again, it's to sell the American dream. You too can be a movie star. You too can do this. It's okay. It's just that, you know, it's also okay. There's a great comic running around a meme where this mom and their son are, and two kids, two moms and two boys are standing on the street. And the one mom says to the little boy, you better study hard or you're going to end up like that trash man. The trash guy walks by or is buying a trash truck. Yeah. And the next mom says, you better, you know, you better study hard and follow your dreams and do whatever you want. So you don't end up like that elitist over there because you know, there's nothing. I was just talking to my the other day. You know, they push in schools like, go to college, be a lawyer, be that, be that. You know, but sometimes not everybody can do that. And sometimes, like we, especially in schools, because the way schools get money, 
is, you know, they get, get to be a blue ribbon school. And if they're a blue ribbon school and enough kids go to the four year colleges, they get some more money from that. And so it's all about the money. Exactly. We have these kids and they're all great artists and painters. And you know what? Instead of going to college, you should go travel around Europe for a year and, and paint and go hang out in painting colonies. That's what you should we don't do that yeah. to people anymore. We don't. We don't. Do, we don't. We don't cultivate that anymore. It's because we so don't really have a value system. It's not a real value. It's like it's not that even money is the problem. It's it's the value we put to what you know. I would you know when I when I rent a film from somebody that I really enjoy watching, I'm hoping that I'm supporting that. I don't have a lot of fucking money, but I'm hoping that. I'm, I'm buying something of value, you know, and I hope I hope that when we create stuff, you know, that people know, look, we're not against money. We got to fucking survive. We didn't make the goddamn rules, but that we are do. We are trying to create value for our audiences enough to say, hey, look, we know you guys work hard for your fucking money. You know what I mean? And hopefully we're giving you a product that you feel valuable enough to have. And but our value systems are to where I need to have a fucking nice car. I need to fuck a nice car. Like I want my car to run. You know what I want the money for? I want to go make films. I want to go fucking drive down to LA with Betsy and be like, what the fuck's up? You know what I mean? Like this whole fucking, I need my name and Oscars and all this millionaire bullshit. I I could care the fuck less. I mean, I think if somebody has a dream and their dream is to win an Oscar, I mean, like, good for them. Like, again, done. Like, I, I just try not. As I long as, as long as, as long really as your identity and yourself, yourself isn't getting caught up in it. So you're right. I'm not saying it's. Well, and even if there is, even if that's what it is for them, they're not causing any harm by it. You know, we got to like, I think for me, and I've certainly been a judgmental person in my life, I tend to look at it like this. You do you, boo. Rock on with your bad self. Dream it. Do it. I hope I can spin it. As long as, like, you're, you're doing your dream doesn't, like, cause harm to humanity, go. Do. Like, like that's when we have to get with people, you know, and, and, and support them. Yeah. And be honest with them. You know, I had a client today I was talking to, helping her with the series she's doing and she says i think i'll sell it to netflix and i'm like yeah you're gonna sell because that's not netflix's model so you have to un- like again you have to understand it's not that it's all just art and airy fair do isn't just all like woo magic you're like i try to understand the business of what i'm doing because it is the way that i earn my living yeah i don't have a regular gig yeah right so I, this is how i earn my living so i, I take time to learn about, well, if I'm going to write a book and publish, I started my own publishing company. I had a publisher, big time publisher. You can go look up who it was. They didn't really support me as an author. I did okay, but they didn't really, you know, they have so many other authors. I said, screw that. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to learn how to publish. I'm going to publish other people's books. I'm going to learn this myself. You know, I'd learn the business of things, yeah. but I'm, I'm not here to like, like what I said to my client today. I said, look, that's the way that I know the business model to be. But hey, you know what? Who am I to say that you don't sell this to Netflix for millions of dollars? Like, yeah, I can't, I can't predict anything. And I've gotten over the need to be right and predict everything. As a consultant and as an advisor, I'll give you my best input and information around it. And I will also, if you say no, my dream is to do this, then I'll go. Okay, then let me try to support you. That what might happen. But I'm not here to be anybody's dream killer or judge them about it. You know, 
now because it's not my place to do. But you're that. smart enough to see through. That the, also brings me a lot of. You're smart enough to see though through the bullshit artists that and the sharks in this industry too, and that's the thing that like. I, I'm not here to well, just shit on people, but at here. the same time, we also know there's a lot of fucking sharks and a lot of bullshitters that will just in every fucking industry just suck it the life out industry. of you. You know what I mean? And that's why to me, there, like people yeah. like Ben, why do you do so much on your own? I'm like, you know, until I build that fucking foundation enough on my own and learn, and you know, I'm, it's not that I like I'm afraid to work with people, or whatever else. It's just like. First off, I don't think I should be asking anything from anyone until I can prove that I'm good enough for it. Not good enough as being bad. I'm just saying well, I'm really trying you're to work. A good enough film. You're, a, you're a really good filmmaker, and you've made some good films, and they've had some sort of success. Yeah. It's also really, like, hard because in the last year especially, the entire motion picture business just changed. Exactly. And, in, and you have to be, you know, I consult with a lot of Murray filmmakers and I come to them and say look it's not enough just to be a good filmmaker anymore you have to exactly. be a good marketer exactly. you have to be a good business person exactly. or you have to have the money to hire those people exactly. because it's not like way back in the day when I was making the bleep and you know Facebook and bleep launched on the very same day oh no shit believe it or not huh. Face, uh, bleep opened in theaters Facebook launched on the internet so, you know, it's to get some sense of business sense about what you're doing. Um, and it's a lot of luck and it's a lot of hustle. And don't get in this business if you're not if you're not willing to have a little bit of grizzle and grit on yeah. you and get into the fray and jump into the ring, then you probably shouldn't be in this business, you know, because it's, it's tough out there. How, Just like it is in any other How business. do you deal with people that like, I mean, obviously, because you've actually, you know, you've had a very well-known film being made. And I know we probably had this conversation once, but how do you deal with the people that, like, only want to talk to you because, like, you had a big film or that they, you, you like, you can tell they're, like, trying to just weasel their way into their opportunities and not really trying to, like, do the... Yeah, that has time. Like, it's funny because I've had guys that just want to date me and the first thing they say when they walk in, this is Betsy, she made What the Bleep. You just kind of go, yeah, I made What the Bleep. I, I don't even think yes. Sometimes yeah. I bring it up because it's a door open our sure, do just so we're clear, I use it. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I I use it to my advantage. But again, we have to use what we've got. It's true, I made the bleep. It helps me open doors. That's all true. You know, um but I, I don't know, Ben. I think I just don't worry about it as much. Yeah. I mean, I look to find people and I have a small circle of people in my life anymore. You yeah. and Mesa are one of them or two of them. Yeah. Because for me, I just don't have the time or energy. However, you know, I'm in the I'm in production on something right now, and I won't tell you what it is. But I have to get into the fray. Yeah. I have to jump in the ring. I have to do the I have to do the work because I need to raise a, some a significant amount of money for it. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> the trick is knowing when I got to go in there knowing how to go in there with integrity, do what I need to do and create the project, not let the rest of it bug me. I don't even, it's like, whatever. Let me, let me wrap this up. I just don't even think let about it. Let me wrap this up because I know we're over and I really want to talk to you for like three hours, literally. I like, you're, you're always yeah. bringing up really, but one of the things is, what do you think is the difference even between when you made What the Bleep and now and how films are being marketed? Just as a conversation of being like, do you feel like it's harder now to get a film out there? I mean, it's easier to get the tools and stuff. I feel like it's easier to make films, but it's harder to like get the attention. Yeah, because there's just more films. Yeah. 
everybody became a filmmaker now. Yeah. Everybody's a filmmaker. And most people are bad filmmakers and some people are bad filmmakers and good marketers. True. So True. it's all about somebody said I was doing this Q&A panel right before COVID hit and someone said, what's the difference between a successful film and a not successful film? And I said, marketing budget. Because hmm. at the end of the day, so I can I have seen um, terrible movies with amazing trailers and huge marketing budgets. The interesting yeah. thing is they make most of the money in the beginning and because they're bad, they die out. Right. Yeah. So eventually the, the, the it, it sips itself through. Right. But if you're a great filmmaker and you don't have the marketing skills and you don't have the marketing, I always tell people if you're raising money for a movie, raise if you if you're raising half a million for a movie, raise three hundred thousand for your marketing yeah, budget. Yeah, definitely. That because that's the difference. That right there, that is the that is the difference. People always ask, how come the bleep became so successful? One of the reasons is because we had five million dollars in marketing money, and. A Today's rate, that would probably be about $15 million. So it's not the bleep, and it was a good movie, so it had staying power, right? We were able to have staying power with it. Because even if we had the marketing money, at the end, this does happen. You can market the shit out of something, and it'd be bad, mm -hmm. and it will die. You might make your money back because you were smart enough to get it out quick enough, but the good, bad quality eventually finds its way in that little whatever that little pinko thing is right but at the end of the day what made bleep so successful first was the money and second was it was a good film yeah yeah and so how would how do you keep control of the creativity and be an independent artist knowing like you need that much i think that's always been my my the, the thing i always think about is like how do i keep creative control enough to where i'm not being manipulated or, or people think George Soros is paying me, but being able to raise enough money to get a, a film out. Again, some people aren't trying to become Hollywood, whatever, but they are trying to make their films and get out there. So how do you, how do you, you be independent right in this investors. world? With that? You have to find the right people. You have to find, find yeah. the right investors to work with. I mean, I wrote a book about this, Ben. It's called The Documentary Filmmaking Masterclass. Which I'm going to, I'm going to put and in I the link. I'm going to put a link in the description I'm gonna, below. I'm going to, I talk about the cost of the money that you raise, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for you, you have credits. It's not like you're just some newbie filmmaker, right? So you have credits and you have legitimacy as a filmmaker. So the trick is finding the people that are interested enough in what you have to say that will give you the money. And that for me, I talk a lot about in the book about expectations. And this is exactly, we're going right back to the beginning of this interview when I first started talking to Will. Because he was putting in a couple million dollars into this movie, which is, you know, a lot of money. Into this. Yeah. So the first thing I asked him is, what are your expectations for spending this money? And once I heard his expectations, my job was to say the script that you have and the project that you have does not match that expectation. So in my opinion. So it's always having those tough conversations. And I say no to a lot more money than I say yes to. Yeah. Because if we're not in alignment with our expectations, and it's funny, in the woo-woo world, they want to tell you that expectations are bad. That's a lie. As expectations. Right? The trick is, if I'm not clear about what my expectations are to you and you're not to me, and problems happen. We're very clear. We write out, here are our expectations in relation and everything it's the same this is what i expect 
I can't deliver that. Okay, I'm out. It's yeah. such an easy conversation we don't have. And so I'm very clear about having that. And it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes patience. It, it takes the willingness to just not you really believe in it and you want to make the project, don't give up. You'll find that person. Keep, I call it turning over rocks. Keep turning over rocks. But if that, are you a fit? Are you a fit? Are you a fit? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like relationships. You got to kiss a lot of, it's the same with investing and finding investors. Yeah. And it, and it's true. And you know, it's funny when you, when you study a lot of people like in just business in general, and they always, you know, they tell you about this, like, the mindset, you know, I always fucking roll my eyes when I hear mindset nowadays and the psychology of it, but it really is because the, and I, I heard you talking about this in another podcast about dealing with that rejection and that fucking constant barrage of just like, am I good enough to do this? Can I fuck it? You know what I mean? Like that's a yeah. beast. You got to fucking put that bitch down and be like, dude, all right, I've got to, you know, and it's hard. It like anyone yeah. thinks it's fucking easy, like do it. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and criticize motherfuckers, but it's harder when you get oh, in that motherfucking ring and you're like, God damn it, am I fucking like maybe I'm not quite you know, that imposter syndrome shit, man. And yeah. you know, I that's why I ask you, you yeah. know, I respect you know, I know we have different points of view in spiritualism, but you know a lot of stuff when it comes to this fucking business and you've been it, you've been on the top of doing stuff, you know, you've been on both sides of it. That's why I'm asking you, because I, I actually think you're yeah. knowledgeable. And I think that that goes back to even your book to me in a sense of killing that Buddha and that expectation of like, what did I transform and learn myself to? So then what is your expectations that you have for killing Buddha then? Well, I would love to make it into a TV series tendency to do with my creator projects is I, I, if it's, I, I put it out into the world and see what happens with it. My yeah. expectations have been met for the book in terms of, I put the book out, yeah. the book is out there. It's selling well. I'd love for people to go buy it, but I'm also, I, I also, one of the things I try to do is I dream really big, but I'm also really realistic about my expectations. Yeah. And I, I would love for the Killing Buddha to be a New York Times bestseller. Is that my expectation? So there's a big difference. I did a dating a, a dating series called Radical Dating, and in one of the, the um, episodes, they talk about this: they requirements, needs, and wants. Like to really define, like what are your requirements? What are must-haves in a relationship? What is it that you would need in a relationship, which is different than a requirement? And what are wants? So I understand that in terms of all expectations. Like my ex- my expectation is that the book gets out in the world. I do that best that I can with it. That was my expectation. What my want the, is that it's a New York Times. What about the reader itself? Other. What about a no bullshit approach to what the expectation you that you would like to get the reader? The reader, when they fucking come across this book, that fucking no bullshit, no nonsense, be real with me, that you want people to get from that book. There, there is no right path. We're all here on a, we're all here on the plane of experience out. There is no right path. You don't have to have a yoni shoved up your v- vagina, a yoni rock shoved up your vagina to be enlightened or whatever. Just operate in integrity, know your values and ethics, do the best you can. That's good because I don't have a vagina anyway, so I guess it doesn't work out for me anyway. Yeah, so. that wouldn't be working very much. So, oh Ben, thank you so much. Thank you. It's Betsy's new book is Killing Buddha. Please, guys, make sure you check that out. I will have the link in the. Hold on, I'm gonna put the book up again one more time. Uh, Killing Buddha, the truth shall set you free. But first, it will make you miserable. But people, don't be afraid to be miserable. It's not the end of the world. But Miss Betsy Chassis, where else can people find you if they want to look, see more of your work and more about you? 
BetsyChastity.net and at BetsyChast pretty much any social platform. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a really great conversation. Thank I'm you. so glad to have you. Hang out for just a minute and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you on the other side of this, okay? Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. If you are just joining us for the first time today, first off, make sure you check out Betsy's work. She's a phenomenal, she's a phenomenal author, phenomenal filmmaker. And um, I will have the links to everything she said here in below. And if it's your first time here, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. You can check me out at benfamajr.com or on my Instagram when I feel like posting on that too. But I'm out of here. Peace. Mm -hmm.